0: Ask you a question. Can you remember that time, that first time maybe, when you knew you belonged? When you had been chosen to be on the team or whatever it was, and, and you were accepted, right? You were one of the guys, one of the gals. When you knew you fit in, when you knew you were loved for who you were. I remember such a moment. I was in the fourth grade and my class was putting on a school play about countries around the world. My fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Stevens, she invited me to be in the play. She made me feel so special, so so wonderful, and, and, and she said I would be a shining star. And I believed her. Mrs. <laughs> Stevens had, in fact, invited every student (laughs) in the classroom to be in the play, and they would all be shining stars. But even in my non-speaking part in my very cool kimono in fourth grade, I was in seventh heaven because I was picked up. I was on the team. I got chosen. The night bed anxiously awaiting the production, but instead was awakened in the middle of the night and loaded into our tan station wagon to travel to Oklahoma because my grandfather had died. I was sad that I didn't get to be in the play, but it really didn't change the way I felt. Even when life didn't go the way I thought, I still had been invited and accepted, even though something had kind of Gotten away, and I didn't get to be in the play. I still knew I was special. I really did. I can remember this fourth grade experience. Mothers from Magdalena House, where I am a shelter director, have shared stories that are similar to this with me. Just on Thursday, we were doing our fall covenant reviews, and one mom shared such a moment. She was uh, saying, to was one of her, her San Antonio College professors and she said, a professor from the United States praised her and told her how intelligent she was. And she said suddenly, in that moment, she remembered who she had been before the people who were supposed to love her convinced her she was nothing that she was stupid, that she was basura, trash. Suddenly that kindness, that invitation to believe in herself and all the hurtful labels began to fall away. As she shared this story with me, she was just smiling. Her smile was as bright and as light as the tears that tumbled down her cheeks. Those are the moments when light breaks into darkness, just a moment such as that. When we recognize who we were made to be by the Creator of the universe. They are moments of pure, unadulterated joy. This Advent, we've been looking at how light breaks into the darkness. The light of Christ breaks into darkness. In Luke's Gospel, the writer proclaims that Christ will give light to those who sit in darkness and guide our feet into the way of peace. Today, we're going to continue to explore this great light. But first, would you pray with me? Almighty God, creator of all things, I humbly ask that you would break into our hearts That you would make us vulnerable. That you would enlighten us with a word from your spirit, oh God. Each of us a unique word that we need to hear. I pray, oh God, that my words are pleasing to you. I pray, oh God, that you change us. That you proclaim the good news into our spirit. I ask these things in your son's name. Amen. I'm going to have to confess right off the bat that this story that I'm going to read today from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20 is probably my favorite Bible story. I mean, what's not to like? Angels, shepherds, and baby lambs. I know you love it too. You've all worn a bathrobe somewhere in your your life, haven't you, being a shepherd? Or maybe it's because we heard it a lot when we were kids. Or maybe it's because it's the way Linus reads it on the Charlie Brown Christmas special. I know if I lived in Jesus' time, I would have been a shepherd. So I can see myself in this story. Sadly, however, there would have been no Under Armour long underwear for me to have worn, so I know it would have been a little cold. But there'd be camping under the stars, animals, and I bet they had dogs because they were shepherds, so I could have had a dog. And did you know shepherds can be male or female? Many were very young, like 12 or 13. Some of them were like Rachel, who became Jacob's wife, or Zipporah. Moses' wife. Shepherds weren't despised or outcast. It was a working-class job with long hours, low pay, encounters with wild animals, rain and drought. You weren't rich, and you had zero political power. But it was a respectable job. After all, Abraham, Moses, and David had all been shepherds. Psalm 23 connects God with shepherding. And finally, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And so now I would like you to listen. Listen to Luke's story. Could you be a shepherd? Could you see yourself as a shepherd? Imagine that you could. And so we start... for all the people. For to you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those whom God favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's taken place, which the Lord has made known to us, the shepherds. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child laying in a manger. And when they saw this, they made known what had been told to them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed and what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, all these words, and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them, the shepherds. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We really shouldn't be surprised that Luke includes a story with shepherds. They fit into the setting of Jesus' birth narrative, as well as the words of the prophets that came before. Ezekiel speaks of a future king who will shepherd over Israel. And Micah proclaims a ruler will come from Bethlehem and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord. It's peculiar, however, that these ordinary working class shepherds get invitations to a royal birth, the birth of a king. And on top of that, this royal birth, this birth of a king, takes place in an animal stall, right? Peculiar. Luke is telling us something new, that this new king is not going to be like other kings. And note... The guests at the baby shower, well, they're going to be very comfortable in the stable. They're going to be used to it. The birthplace of this new king, this Messiah, this Christ, is a perfect fit for these working folks who represent neither the pious religious elite nor the politically powerful. Luke suggests that this kingdom, this this Messiah will usher in will be vastly different from what the world expects. And then an angel, it says, stands before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And of course, as everyone before them, they were terrified. This is the third angelic announcement in the Gospel of Luke. It differs only in that this time it's not been given to one of Jesus' parents. Not his mother or his father, but it's given to a cast of ordinary people. What does that even mean? The glory of the Lord shown around them. Really, I, I always wonder about that. Glory is one of the most common words of praise used throughout the Old and New Testament. The Hebrew word for glory can mean respect. Honor, majesty. In the New Testament, God's glory was expressed with the Greek word doxa, which means a good reputation, honor. Think of the doxology, the gloria Patri. God's renown, God's splendor is doxa. God's unspoken manifestation shines around the angel. Both Moses and Jesus experienced this illumination from God through the transfiguration. And when Moses went up onto the mountain. And here, though, it's not Moses or Jesus. It's some shepherds. It's some shepherds that received the glory of the Lord. The angel brings them good news of great joy for all people for to you this day is born in the city of David, a Savior who is the Messiah of the Lord. The angel's words would have had a familiar ring to these shepherds. For you see, at the birth of each new Caesar, or even lesser royals in the empire of Rome, there was a proclaimed as good news announcement. It's kind of like a long hyphenated word, proclaimed dash as, dash, good news, dash. That meant, there was one word in Greek that meant all of that. Euangelion is the word. Euangelion means proclaimed as good news, a common word. In English, we call it the gospel. Comes from the English word God spell, good news. First century Christians borrowed a non-religious word from their culture. The church has never done that before, right? For instance, in in 9 BC, this word was used to describe the birth of Caesar Augustus. There's an inscription that says this, he was sent as a savior to end wars. And it goes on, the birthday of the god, Augustus, was the beginning of good news, evangelion, for the entire world. Hmm. Christians transformed the meaning of this word. They hijacked this word, if you will, to point to the salvific word in entirety, the salvific work of Christ. The shepherds soon discover that this birth is not just another king who embodies Rome's oppressive Systems. Rather, it is the birth of a different kind of savior, one who will bring joy to people, not oppression. The lowly in society will become children of God and experience that moment when they know they belong, when they know they're accepted, that they fit in, that they are the family of God. Even the ordinary, hard-working shepherd. This is not a celebration of Pax Romana. It is quite the opposite. This is a sign of a future peace resulting from God's blessing for all, and all means all, people. All of humankind. The heavenly chorus erupts Remember, I love what Holly said, that music can bring you into this different space. And so this angelic chorus erupts for the concert of a lifetime for these shepherds. I mean, this is front row seats at the majestic for the Messiah. The angels direct them then to a lowly manger where this Messiah will reverse business as usual. And, they, and the shepherds go on their way to Bethlehem, they believe what the angels tell them and they go, and they find everything as the angels told them: a child in swaddling in a manger. And with that experience of seeing and knowing this and reassurance they return, they go back to work. They're working, folks. They go back to work and they tell everybody what they've learned, right? Back on the job site. Back in the fields. Right? Notice the shepherds receive this invitation from the, from the angels. They receive it. They, they take it. These, these folks, they're not religious folks. They're, they're shepherds. And they receive the news. up the heavenly messenger's task of proclaiming the birth of the Messiah and praising the one who would become Lord of all. The pattern of reversal continues as the shepherds who were persons without power or piety become the first, I mean the first evangelists. Right? Jesus is just born and they're out evangelizing. The shepherds They proclaim the good news. The entire story points to what lengths God will go to woe and woo humanity into relationship, into a loving and transformational relationship with God. That God's reign would manifest in the infinite power and grace of God in a child born to peasants in an animal stall. And the child's first visitors would be shepherds and a herd of sheep. There is no place one can go to to evade this invitation from God. No place one can go, for God has been the lowly of places. No place we can run to evade the grace and invitation of God to belong and to understand that we are loved, to know we are part of the family of God. We just have to accept, like the shepherds. A second mother at Magdalene House shared with me on Friday as we were going through her covenant that when she first arrived here, she felt so alone. She was so fearful and afraid after fleeing an abusive and dehumanizing relationship, but she also really didn't trust anyone at Magdalene House. She really didn't know if anyone cared about her. When I asked her what had changed after one year, she replied, With this, she said, Miss Denise, one year ago I spent Christmas in a shelter. And today I celebrate Christmas in a home, in a home surrounded by my family, my new family. Oh, won't you accept this invitation to come home? to come home to God's grace and unconditional acceptance like the shepherds? Those lowly shepherds caught by surprise at this crazy crowd of angels inviting them to the stable? Maybe you'll be surprised by a lyric in music. Maybe God will speak to you and invite you through that line of music. Maybe God will invite you through your fourth-grade teacher or your, a fourth-grade student or a college professor or your colleague or your wife or your husband or your child or your mother. A stranger An H-E-B, God wants to surprise you with the invitation to come home, for you too have been invited to the manger. For unto you a child is born who will shine light in the darkest corners of your life and who comes to bring you joy. Would you pray with me? Christ Jesus, be born again into our hearts. Where there is apathy or fear or temptation, grief or bitterness, come with healing, O God, into our lives. Christ Jesus, be born again into our hearts, helping us to remember that only you have the power to make us whole. Oh, Christ Jesus, be born again into our hearts, for you are good and lovely. We ask these things in your most precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen.